0: Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyers. They handle personal injury and criminal defense as well. Before you say guilty, say Garza, because Marcos Garza and his team will do their best to get you the best representation and also to get you the best result possible for your case. If you find yourself needing a lawyer, you don't want to just go with anybody. You want to go with the best? Garzalaw.com, 865-540-8300. You can get in touch with someone 24-7, 365. Be safe this graduation weekend. Memorial Day coming up. Be careful. And remember the name, Marcos Garza. Garzalaw.com, 865-540-8300. Let's get to this week's episode. I mean, this is the last stand. (laughs)
1: The
0: controversial,
1: he's the dumbass,
0: he can't do math,
1: he's an idiot,
0: he gets his hair cut at Walmart, look at that shitty haircut. the realest podcast in the southeast, let the dogs loose, woo, woo. let the goons
1: be goons, 11 in a row, 11 in a row, 11 in a row, Enough.
0: Eh, eh, 38 in a row, as in 38 on extra point when we were whipping that ass, ranch gang, stand up. The Holy War is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes.
1: Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all.
0: Another edition of Reed's Ranch, Wednesday, May 17th. Seth joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? How much, John? Good to hear your voice as per usual. Great, great, great! Fantastic to hear your voice. I'm in a good mood today. I hope you are as well. I am. I'm glad. To, I'm glad you're in a good mood. so It's perfect weather today. Typically, I don't get the serotonin boost from the sun. You know, some people really get seasonally depressed. All those things. Blah blah blah. It's not really me. But today, I was just standing outside for a bit. And I was like, man, it is a beautiful, perfect weather day. And I was like, I kind of want to go lay by the pool. But alas, I'm inside talking to you. But I'm still in a good mood.
1: Yeah, it's like I don't really get the serotonin thing either, but sometimes it's cool just to walk outside and it'd be like 80 degrees. It's like, man, it's warm. It feels so so much better than
0: just being cold and rainy. As I've gotten older, my allergies have gotten so much better that now I can stand to be outside. I used to cannot stand to be outside. I would immediately start sneezing or eyes itching, all those things, or have to take a bunch of medicine. I don't know if it's just because I left like the dust and the dirt from the farm or what, but like my allergies have been so much better the last couple years.
1: Yeah. I feel like allergies are also like a.
0: It changes yearly. Kind of like your taste buds change every so many
1: years, like maybe allergies do too? Yeah, like it's weird. Like I used to love eating Smart Pop, that like popcorn in the bag. I used to love the way it tasted, the white cheddar. Now, when I eat it, it tastes like nothing. There's no taste to it. I don't even like eating it anymore. It tastes like nothing it's like i'm just chewing popcorn that you can't taste which is stupid one
0: thing i loved so much as a kid were cracker jacks i ate so many cracker jacks and then recently uh someone near me had a box i think and i was like hey give me a cup give me a handful of that and i found it to be terrible found to be repulsive i was like oh this is disgusting hurts my teeth get out of here tastes terrible
1: yeah, I'm not I'm not a Cracker Jacks
0: person. I used to love them. I used to eat so many Cracker Jacks whenever I'd go to the stock barn on Tuesdays to watch the cows get sold. I'd get me so many boxes of Cracker Jacks. Loved them. Well, to see what Dr. Danny's doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh... I'm probably, there's probably not many people with me on this, but I would just really like them to just finish the baseball stadium before they do anything else. Like, I know you can do two things at once. I'm not saying you can't. I know that football always takes precedence. Like, I just really want the baseball stadium done because the longer it goes without us, like, really doing the... You know, like, if they were to actually, like, expand right field, the right field bleachers down to the foul pole this year, then I would say, okay, we are actually going to do the baseball stadium, so just go ahead and do whatever else you want to do as well. Um, I mean, I, I do think, in general, it's really, really nice that after years of having, of years of just, like, languishing with, like, athletic directors that were just... Okay with status quo at best and at worst, or just really, really awful. It's nice that like Tennessee actually has a visionary. Doctor Danny does not
0: rest on his laurels.
1: He does not rest, you know. And I think that there's a like if you're gonna do something, now is the time to do it because football is settled. Like when foot if you're an athletic director in at SEC school and football is rolling, that is when you can take chances on other things. Because like at the end of the day, as long as football is rolling then your job is safe. So if you want to go do something else, you can. That's when you really can take chances, in my opinion. So it's nice that, like, Tennessee actually is on the cutting edge. Probably, I would say, more than any other athletic department in the the SEC, I think LSU could – I think LSU's athletic director is really good too. But, you know, I mean, Tennessee has a visionary, which is really nice after years of just having bad athletic directors. Going back to Mike Hamilton.
0: Yeah, and you say football's rolling, and you know I think the 2023 season is going to be really good. But go ahead and announce it right now when you're coming off of an Orange Bowl win. Y- you don't know for sure if you're going to be good this season. Y- you feel like you're going to be. There's at least excitement here in the off season. Shit ton of season tickets have been sold. So go ahead and let's just say, hey, we're turning it into a party station. We're going to be innovators, as you said, cutting edge.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's truly cutting edge. Like I mean, you just look at the like. Imagine, like, I'm looking at the the, the press release of the Neyland Entertainment District. Walk walk people through it
0: in case they haven't seen it, in case we're breaking the news to some people.
1: So, you know, uh, he's initiated, Danny White's initiated the exploration of a public-private partnership aimed at the development of a first in-class entertainment district spanning the Tennessee River Waterfront near Stadium Stadium anchored by a planned hotel, which we knew about the hotel on the South end. Um, Whenever they
0: announced the hotel, I I talked about this idea on the radio of like, you know, that seems like the first step to kind of maybe start branching out, putting some bars and such down there as well. Yeah. And of course, here we are a couple months later and I don't know exactly what they've talked about putting there, but they're saying they're going to turn into an entertainment venue. And it's
1: going to, it's going to connect TBA and Nealon Um.
0: So, goodbye, G10 Garage. That's kind of the the idea there, right? He said that
1: it would stay. He's, he said garage would remain, but it would build a tabletop over the G10 Garage, which is... Which that basically means they're just going to f-
0: basically turn the top of it into a walkway, right?
1: I would think so. It's adjacent to the... Ho- the tabletop is adjacent to the hotel site, supporting additional tailgating, retail, and entertainment activities, as well as provide premium views of the adjacent waterfront. So... I guess if you want to look at the river. Uh, a hotel development with 12 stories would allow for a rooftop bar, and it can accommodate approximately um, 215,000 square feet of space for hotel units. A
0: rooftop bar, uh, so next to Nealon Stadium, will, will it be tall enough to look inside Neyland?
1: Uh It looks like, if I'm looking at this hotel site, and it's like a, on, on scale, it does not look like it's going to be able to see up the top okay so um, but they're gonna they can put hotel units condos meeting event space food and beverage and other amenity slash and other amenity spaces um, and then like they are comparing it to the battery which is I feel like if you really want to sign people up for this idea just compare it to the battery like nobody cares about like that you can buy a hotel room at the Rogers Center and watch the Blue Jays game. People don't care about that. But you talk to them about the battery, they're going to really care because everyone loves the battery. But like you look at this like write up with all these graphs and all this, all these stats and stuff and just imagine, imagine this happening <laughs> with any other athletic director Tennessee's had in like my lifetime.
0: Pete Pham will compare it to LA Live. What is LA Live? Is that out there near the Staples Center?
1: I saw that too. I don't know. Is that the thing at the Rams?
0: I assumed it was out there near like Staples Center, but I don't I don't know. Um I guess LA Live, I mean, yeah, it could be the Rams. Okay, the okay. Stadium, it, it's adjacent
1: I, to the Crypto.com. So yeah, you're right. And the Los Angeles Convention Center. I was I like I know the Rams stuff has like a lot there, doesn't it? Don't they have like a
0: I have no clue. I just thought it's a really expensive stadium, but I've never really heard of them having a, their own town out there. I, I know that, like, Balmer said when they built the Clippers' new arena, it was going to be, you know, basically its own town as well. So that's, like, the new thing to do right yes.
1: now. Yes, yeah, so they're on the L.A. Live Wikipedia, they, like, list all the places that basically copied them because it was such a—because L.A. Live has been such a massive hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so— it also, like, totally revitalized that area of Los Angeles.
0: How How is this going to work? Is Tennessee going to have, like, holdings inside the business of this? Like, are they going to have, like, financial stakes on, like, the bars and such in there? How, how does that work? Do
1: you I don't know? know. I don't know. It's a public-private partnership.
0: Right. So, like, are they going to auction off the land? Is this essentially, is like, this is going to be our boy... I hell I'm drawing a blank. Uh, who, who am I talking who am I thinking of? Who's our big businessman running the running the school right That's now? That's what like, i say, Randy Boyd. Like with Randy Boyd at the helm. Randy Boyd, it seems like it's got Randy Boyd written all over it.
1: He's the one quoted about the public private partnership. So you they So if you're a business, they're giving you four weeks to do an RFI, which is a request for information. Um, which then helps inform a request for proposal for interested parties to continue the process of design and construction of the Nealon Entertainment District. So it looks like they're opening up it, like putting the contract out on the street. It's my take on this. But I was going to say, with Randy Boyd at the helm, like, it's going to be done well. Because the man...
0: Oh, he's got great taste. He's a great
1: businessman.
0: He's a great businessman. He's not going to put... He's not going to have something attached to his name that isn't top shelf. But it just seems like he might be the one leading this charge, and I wonder if he's going to have some business interest in this or if he's even allowed to do that. And, of course, he has the baseball stadium coming not too far away in the next couple of years, and I wonder how it affects that. Because this seems way cooler than the baseball area. They had talked about the baseball area in downtown Knoxville having
1: some businesses and its own little thing too, I believe. Yeah, this is way cooler than the baseball stadium. I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about any of this to – they give any type of target date? Does it say anything
0: about like expected when it's going to begin, like the construction and all that?
1: I'm looking right now. The only date that I've seen is the like you if the the four weeks to do the RFI, um, which that's not that's not like listed until the end. So like it gets to, at the bottom of it, it starts talking about the public private partnership, and that's where Randy Boyd comes in on this thing. Like, Donde talks about the atmosphere. Danny talks about um, how innovation is at the forefront of everything we do. And then at the end, it gets into the business aspect where it talks about, like, um, you know, the RFI process and what exactly that means and why did Tennessee issue the RFI, which is for this project. It'd
0: be really cool to be on campus as a student if this got built, if it's going to be as cool as it sounds, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's going to open up some easy avenues for some NIL opportunities too, for students. It seems, seems pretty cool. You know, I don't know if everyone's going to have the space to kind of copy us in the SEC and around the country, but you know, obviously they're not going to have a a river they can pull up to, to get to it because it's going to be right next to where the Vol Navy is.
1: Yeah. You know, when, when, like, Tennessee, like, college sports, they're not amateur athletics anymore. They haven't been for a while, but they're truly, truly not now. And Tennessee has an athletic director that does not pretend that they're amateur athletics. He treats it like a professional, you know, event ordeal, and it is. And it really shows, and it's really, really nice to just have a guy that, like, yeah, like, some things Danny's done that, like, we've... We've, like, talked, you know, thought are cringy or whatever. But, like, there's a lot of stuff he's done that were amazing. I mean, just the fact that he added the Vol signs on top of the stadium.
0: And the fact that they pretty much begged Tennessee fans to go on the field against Alabama. Like, they were completely fine with that. And, of course, you had Randy Boyd saying he'll pay the fine, blah, blah, blah. No, Danny's done a lot of good stuff. And whenever Danny was hired, we talked about the perfect fit for both parties. Tennessee in desperate need of a good athletic director, desperately in need of someone who is respected that, you know, can fix certain things that we've had to deal with for a long time. But on the other side, we said like it was kind of, I don't want to say a blank canvas, but the opportunities to actually take Tennessee a a sleeping giant both financially and on the field and kind of have your way with them, you know, be able to paint whatever you want. And we've always said Tennessee fans aren't really going to give a shit as long as you're winning. You can do whatever you want and we'll support it. Yep. And, you know, now he's going to put that to the test. But you talk about running it like a professional, you know, a professional sports team or whatever. I mean, the University of Tennessee football program is the biggest draw in the state. Yeah, think about how much money it makes. It should be treated like this. You know, like I'm saying It, it is a professional sports team. You can't sell it. You can't own it, per se, but, like, as much, you know, the number of people and the number of people who care about it and the money attached to it, I mean, it's a bigger draw than the Titans. It's a bigger draw than the Grizzlies. I mean, it, it's all of those things, the Predators, whatever other professional sports teams in, in and, the state. Yeah,
1: and how many other teams in the conference are doing this? Well, Danny said zero. You know, Alabama has that that sponsorship with NASCAR, you know, like they've done some stuff. Like, Bryce Young was making seven figures, like, but like, there's really nobody doing like exactly this thing. It was like the perfect opportunity because college athletics was in a totally, pla- a totally brand new place that it hadn't been before, and Danny could. He had, you know, a blank canvas, like you said.
0: He is getting to treat it as if he is kind of the owner of a pres- of a professional sports team. Not exactly the same, of course, but you know, they they had talked last night about the Spurs when they won Victor Wembanyama, how they had are in the midst of doing, like, a $500 million, like, practice facility. Yeah. So he's not getting to do stuff like that, but he's getting to advance and change things and be innovative, the same way that practice facility is going to be innovative in the sense of you're pouring that much money into your facility. Tennessee is able to do kind of that as well, and Danny gets to be the one that attaches his name to it.
1: Yeah, a lot of the stuff, like, I never thought that it would really matter to me, and maybe it's just because we were winning and we won a lot last year, but, like, some of the stuff, like the – the pregame for Kentucky was truly amazing. Like, the light show and stuff. Like, the light show was, was really cool. I mean, I never really thought it would matter to me. But I was like, man, that, that was really – that was – that was – it was really cool. Yeah, he's got the modest touch lately.
0: But your initial point is the right one. That as long as the football team is winning, you can do this. If the football team is coming off of a 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five season – I don't think this would be met with the same amount of enthusiasm. Correct. I know that's an obvious take, but I just want to point it out and bring it full circle.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, yeah, but we won 11 games, and now all people want to talk about this offseason across the country is Joe Milton. You got people talking about Squirrel White. You got people, you know, ranking us. I saw Joe Klatt has us in the top 10. People have us in the top 10, like, you know, I really like Joe Claud. He knows a lot about football. He has, you know, that's, you know, really good. Like people are talking a lot about Tennessee football. They're talking about it nonstop. You had all these draft picks. It's really, really fun. It's it's really it's really a fun time to be a Tennessee fan.
0: You got anything about the baseball team we need to hit? Um, Since we last spoke, we had a disappointing showing in Athens, and then we win the first two Kentucky games and then get our ass absolutely killed in game three. We're looking like we need to take two out of three against South Carolina this weekend. South Carolina's faltering. They're, they no longer look the best team in the country. For a while they did. Now they're kind of taking on water.
1: Yeah, I, I, would like to, I don't really understand anything about RPI. I don't understand why Auburn skyrocketed above us last weekend when we... We're, we took a series against the number one team in RPI. Kentucky's still number one in RPI. I believe they might have fallen to like two, but I don't understand why. Like, like we jumped a ton after we won the Friday night game, and then we ended up like falling two or three more spots over the course of RPI. The nice thing is, is that like, yeah, I think to to host Tennessee's got to win the series or whatever, but. It really can't be overstated that in college baseball, the, the conference tournaments really do matter. They really, really matter a lot. So Florida went 15 and 15 in conference last year and got to host. They made it to Sunday of the conference tournament. Like it's, you know, you can use the conference tournament as like two more series over really high RPI teams because even like Missouri has like a 30, the 38th RPI. I mean, like if they, like Missouri's, like, Missouri's playing really good right now, you know? I mean, so there's not going to be, you know, Tennessee's going to have high RPI opportunities the rest of the way. So they could conceivably still get a top eight seed.
0: Would that take winning this series against South Carolina and then like maybe winning the SEC? I think, it, I
1: think it would take, um, obviously I think it would depend on who you get to play and beat. But I think, I think maybe you could do it if you won the series and got to Saturday. But I think for sure... If you got to Sunday and won this series, you would get... Because at that point, your RPI would be so high. Because, like, South Carolina's a top five RPI team, and then you're talking about beating teams like Florida, LSU, Arkansas, Vandy to get to to Sunday. You know, you're going to beat some of those teams to get there. And even, like, a team like Alabama, Alabama's 10th in RPI. Like, if you beat them in the SEC tournament, that's huge, too. So... Really the only team that you could play in the SEC tournament that has an awful RPI, the lowest RPI I can think of is A and M, and they're like forty second. I saw. Um I really thought that sweep against AM would carry water and it looked like it was going to because they won like four straight series and then they just tanked. So I don't know. The Georgia series for Tennessee was pretty disappointing, I thought. Especially after you win game one. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know. I thought like this is so I think that if you I think that everyone should stop exp- Stop expecting Chase Dolander to be what he was last year. However, if you go back to when this team turned it around, the Vandy series. If you go back to the Vandy series, that so that we've played, including there, there's been four series. Dolander has pitched good in every single one except one, and that was when he was sick as a dog and shouldn't even have pitched at all. That was the uh, that was Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the only time he didn't pitch well, and he was when he was really sick, and they didn't think he was going to pitch that entire week. That's the only time he hadn't pitched well. Like, even against Georgia, he pitched six innings and gave up three runs. That's You should win that game every time. Unless Paul Skeens is pitching for the other team, you should win that game going away every single time if he pitches six innings and gives up three runs. But Vandy and Kentucky, both he was good. So I think that, like, I think he has turned the corner. Unfortunately, I don't know what Drew Bean is going to do, but he was as steady as you can get, and then he's laid two eggs in a row.
0: Yeah, it looks as if he has now been taken out of the rotation. We don't know for sure, but the last report I saw a little bit before we recorded is that the sun, the Game 3 spot, I don't know if it's, I think it's a it's, Saturday. It's this a Saturday. Weekend. this weekend. Yeah. Uh, the Saturday spot, Game 3, is up for grabs, question marks, is what's been listed on the proposed starters.
1: Yeah, which, I don't know. I guess we'll see if they start him Wednesday at the SEC tournament. I guess if they they start him game one of the SEC tournament, then they just wanted to rest his arm a little bit. Because he had been a workhorse, you know, more than any other starter. He had been the workhorse of the rotation. So maybe they're just, you know, I did think at least against Kentucky, Tony did pull him out after four runs. He didn't let him give up four more like he did against Georgia.
0: Well, was that not after a rain delay or had he already, had he already, t- already taken him out, I guess, before the rain It delay. might have been. I didn't get to watch the game Sunday. I didn't, I didn't either. I just saw he gave up four runs and that we had it, a rain delay. It
1: probably – it was, it was, it was, it was. It was – they had four runs, so, yeah.
0: I just didn't know if he had finished the inning and gotten taken out or if they took him out before he finished the inning. So I shouldn't
1: even give Tony credit for that. However, A.J. Russell is going to be really good. He's going to be really good. And he's been really good the last two weekends. He looks like he's going to be a star. So that's cool. It does seem
0: like we have, you know, five or six pit guys who could throw a starter. So like when you get to when you get to postseason play, like we have arms.
1: We have the best bullpen in the country, which is why it's insane that he leaves Drew Beam out there to just flounder. Like the Georgia the Georgia series, Drew Beam has been a stalwart. He's been the yeah, he had one bad game against Arkansas, but up until that Georgia game, he had been the one guy you could trust. And like He's, he's only given up four runs, which, like, you're not going to have seven innings out of him every time. Like, it was, you know, it was four to four at that point. George's top of the lineup is coming up. Everyone knows to take him out. And they hit two. Home- like, it was just like, you have the best bullpen in the nation, Tony. Like, use it. Somebody sent him some game
0: film, some game footage of the, the Kansas City Royals back then back, you know, seven, eight years ago when they won their World Series and how they basically just used their stars to pitch five innings. And then it was nothing but bullpen after that because they had so many arms. just They needed their stars to give them five innings.
1: What was that? What was that? What was the manager's name for the Royals? Ned? Uh, yeah, Ned Yost. Ned Yost. He had like a sub-500 record and he went to two World Series and won one of them. Because he had such a nasty bullpen. That's basically what
0: he did for two straight years was just – They had some good hitters, some timely hitting, but mostly it was like, we got guys in our bullpen that you can't hit. So if we can just find enough pitching to give us five innings. And then they ran up against Massive Bumgarner that one time, and he just, you know, dominated that series with one of the best pitching performances of all time.
1: He made the playoffs twice and went to the World Series both years. And that was it. That was it.
0: God, Massive Bumgarner, what a performance. Let's get to some patron questions. Patriot.com slash Reeds Ranch. No new patrons. Ask questions, Seth, before I get angry. Before I lose my freaking mind, just get to some questions.
1: Brother AJ asks, for me, he has a question for each of us, and I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. For me, what extinct North American mammal slash bird... Do I wish to see in the wild in its prime? And for you, what TV show do you wish had one more great season?
0: What TV show do I wish had one more great season? So what TV show do I feel like didn't run its course? Didn't end in a good spot? Okay, you go first, I guess. So I would probably
1: choose the short-faced bear, um, which... I have heard before, and I I was looking this up before the podcast to verify it, and I actually, I could not verify it, but I had heard before that the short-faced bear actually prevented human migration across the the ice from Russia to North America. Like, that's how vicious it was. Now, I couldn't, I could not verify that for sure, but regardless, like, look up short-faced bear, everyone, and you know, these were some absolutely vicious, crazy tall animals. I mean, these, these, these bears were these bears were extremely tall, up to almost like four meters in height. Okay, the giant short-faced bear was like four meters in height when it stood up on its hind legs. So, a twelve-foot-tall bear um, that you know has been speculated to have prevented migration of humans from Russia. Across the Bering Land Strait. But the saber-toothed tiger is also really cool, too. As well as the dire wolf. The short-faced
0: bear is uh, reportedly one and a half times bigger than the size of a grizzly bear. Yeah. And they had huge size, and they had a taste for meat. I guess, does that mean they wanted to eat people?
1: They... (laughs) Yeah, they were big carnivores. I think they're like considered one of the biggest carnivores ever. Biggest one of the, big, the b- one, like one of the biggest mammalian carnivores ever, because obviously like there were dinosaurs that were carnivores. Um, well, supposedly, supposed, yeah,
0: uh, allegedly,
1: allegedly. So um, I, I'm looking up their their weight right now. They could weigh over two thousand pounds. That's a big old bear. Twelve foot tall. And weighing two thousand pounds.
0: And you said these went
1: extinct. Yes, these did go extinct. Um, Good. They said they seem like real assholes. They did not go extinct due to the meteor, due to the uh, due to the uh, meteor that hit the Yucatan Peninsula. I don't believe, but yes, they are extinct. AJ, my answer uh, would probably
0: either be I'm going to go probably with just two HBO shows. Either The Wire that I thought had, you know, a pretty lackluster final season or Game of Thrones, which obviously had a terrible season. But if you're me that they're going to be elite seasons, I'd probably say Game of Thrones. If it got back to actually being really good. All the other shows that I really like, I feel like, you know, for the most part had good endings. I don't, I don't need any more. I feel satisfied. But of course, Game of Thrones left me wanting. So that's my answer.
1: There you go. We have we have several we have several people asking us to uh, to talk about Man City advancing to the Champions League finals.
0: Okay? Is that a surprise? I mean with all the oil money they have and how much they've cheated over the years, it's not a surprise they've made the final, right? It just seems to be all about winning the final. I didn't, I didn't realize, I mean, a lot of Man City fans in our Discord, especially BMV, really like beating their chest right now. You don't get a trophy
1: for doing what they did today.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kind of the bare minimum. I thought the problem has been they can't win the big one. I would say act like you've been there before, but, I mean, you have been to the final
1: before, so act like you've been there before, I guess. Like, win it first. Congrats to the plucky upstart Man City for uh, overcoming all odds. Yeah and making it to the Champions League final um, with the best team money can buy so congrats to BMB it's been a good it's been a good 24 hours for him Victor Wimbenyama.
0: yeah you're you're you know
1: <laughs> noted
0: Man City San Antonio Spurs Indianapolis Colts The Tennessee Man
1: City Spurs combo If I didn't love Blue Moon Ball more than I could ever possibly express, I would give him a little more grief about this, but I love him. So I'm happy for him. Do
0: you have any thoughts on Wim Benyana going to the the Spurs? Okay, I got a
1: question for you. So the the lottery now, is it just the four worst teams can get the number one pick? Did I misunderstand? No,
0: no, yeah, you misunderstood. Everyone can get it. Oh, everyone can still get it. Well, everyone who didn't make the playoffs can still get it. They just changed the odds to make it it's like
1: 14%, right, for the top three teams Yeah, or it used
0: to be the worst team had like a 30, like I want to say like a 38% chance. Okay. But what that led to was, of course, people racing to the bottom. Yeah. Trying to be the absolute worst team. So then they flattened it and said all four of the worst teams have the same odds.
1: Okay, all four do. 15%. Okay.
0: That way there's no shameless, like, losing on purpose. It's... It, being one of the bottom four is much easier than being the absolute worst, if that makes sense.
1: So the Pelicans, like the Pelicans, could have gotten the number one overall pick last night.
0: The Pelicans could have gotten the number one overall okay. pick last night. All
1: right, okay. I couldn't really, I couldn't figure out, and I, I mean, I just was like doing a cursory look, trying to figure. All out.
0: of the teams who had an envelope could have gotten it. So it's just like it used to be. Everyone there
1: has a chance. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like it used to be that you could still win it. The odds have gotten drastically different, and. I mean, if you're thinking back to like 1985 when they used to pull out envelopes, then it's not the same there. Now they do like lottery ball combinations. And I saw like, like I
1: saw like they have that they have a they have a, a representative from Ernst and Young there too. Uh,
0: yeah, they put them like Zach Lowe. I think wrote a big article about it a couple of years ago. Of just like because everyone thinks it's rigged, and basically it's like there's it's impossible to rig. There's representatives from every team there. There's like a third party, and it's not just like yeah one envelope. It's a four number combination that they draw out. Okay. So, if say, like, let's just say there's a thousand of them and you have a 15% chance, you have 150 of the number combinations. So then they draw out a combination. It's like, oh, who's got that? Oh, it's the Spurs. And apparently the Spurs hit it three times. They, they got the number one pick three times in a row.
1: I mean, I get, it's got to suck for the Pistons. Like, the Pistons were like. Yeah. Well, only... I will say the Pistons were probably the most shameful,
0: the most shamelessly tanking this year.
1: Okay.
0: So they kind of almost got what they deserved. They punted a whole year of Cade Cunningham to make sure they had the worst record. I mean, I know he was hurt at some points, but like he could have played the last like two months of the season. And they're just like, nah, you're fine. So I kinda I kinda think they got what they deserved.
1: In that in that case, I didn't know that. In that case, I will say that they uh they got what they deserved.
0: I, I really thought they I really thought I was gonna go to Portland though. I really thought they were gonna throw Portland another chance to hit it big. Although they've said they're going to trade the number 3 pick to try to get a, a veteran to, to pair up with Dame Lillard. Is that enough to keep him there? I mean, if you trade a couple pieces, I mean, I don't know, it depends what they get, I guess with the number 3 pick. It just depends on who's willing to who's willing to uh, go go for it.
1: Yeah, it just seems like is there anybody that's actually going to make a difference that would go for it? I mean, are we going to like just play with ourselves like the Cavs did by getting Donovan Mitchell? Like what was the point of that? What's the point of that? They got beat by the Knicks in the first round. What a waste. Another ass kick. They what a waste. How what a waste.
0: And now they're worried that he's gonna leave in two years, so they might end up trading him too. Anyways, next question.
1: Brother Jonah asks, Does life ever get better? Well, did you not hear the beginning of the podcast, Jonah? It does.
0: We're in a good mood today. Just Every now and then, just go outside and touch grass and be happy that you have the chance to touch grass.
1: It's all about outlook. There are some people that wake up happy every day just naturally, and I'm jealous of them, but there's some people that don't. And if you don't, you it's a mindset. You have to wake up, and you got to say, I'm going to choose to be happy today because, you know, it's a choice, and I could be miserable, or I could just choose to be happy. It's not always that simple, but it does help.
0: And by choose to be happy, he means to choose joy, Jonah. That's correct. But no, life never gets better. You just have to improve your outlook. Life's the same, man. Life is life. Going to be a lot of ups, going to be even more downs, but it's all about outlook. Life is the same, unless you, like, win the lottery. It's true. It's really the only way to change your stars, Jonah, is to win the lottery. Brother Garrick asks. Or slip and fall somewhere. Look for like University of Tennessee vehicles or Knoxville public transportation buses and try to get hit by one of them. Then you sue. Don't let them kill you, but then you sue. That's about it. Maybe like drive a little unsafe and start racking up the turn your record to a check. Marcos Garza handles personal injuries, so let some people hit you. Just, you know, slow, slow down a little bit. When you go to pull out, just make sure you get your car over halfway out on the road. That way it'll be the other person's fault. And, you know, just, just take your chance. Take your chance. But other than that, life's life, you know.
1: For the Garrick asks, for John, favorite Jordan shoe? I don't know if it's a popular answer. I don't know if
0: other people kind of agree. I know everyone else has their own favorites and all that, but mine's always been the 12. I think it's because like the high top 12 or the mid top 12, the mid 12 has always been my favorite. And I want to say it's probably because I want to say it came out in like 96 or 97, like at the perfect age for me. And I was like one of the first pair of Jordans I ever got. I got the low tops, like the red and white ones. And then it was so cool to get to see where I'm in the playoffs. But like, that's always been my
1: favorite. What are your favorites, Seth? Well, I don't have one, but I did watch Air over the weekend. Oh, did you? I did. Um, I did. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, Dan Wetzel is friends with Sonny Vaccaro, and and he said, like, Matt Damon didn't really do him justice. He said Sonny's, like, one of the most interesting people he's ever met and described him several times as, like, a complete tour de force. Just an absolute...
0: that that's fair to criticize because I was thinking that during the movie because they were trying to make it seem like you know he's the one that got the job done that the Jordans loved him they didn't really make him seem like a big enough character
1: yeah like yeah, that's what Dan Wilson was like this dude is an insane character like he's like this he he described him multiple times as a tour de force and as one of the most interesting people he's ever met and he's like they are making him into a midwestern salesman that maybe shoots some dice at the beginning and maybe has a little bit of a checkered
0: history maybe but they never like tap into yeah. that
1: yeah. And instead it was like, you know, but I thought that, like, I still thought that the story was amazing. I I still thought that the movie was really, really good. It it was really, really good. I have one question about it, and I haven't done any research. You might know the answer to this. There might not be an answer. What was up with them just never showing a young Michael Jordan in the camera
0: like that? The way I took it was that they, like, knew that would obviously be distracting. So they wanted the
1: story to be about Sonny Vacara. Okay, okay.
0: Like, they, they wanted to build it around Sonny Vaquero and. Miss Jordan. Dolor- yeah, was, it, was her name Dolores or Gloria? I don't even remember what her name was. They wanted to build it around them, and I think showing a uh, uh, Michael Jordan that wasn't really Michael Jordan might have taken away from that. Okay.
1: Maybe I'm wrong, but. Okay, I, I thought that that. I was like, if there, I, I thought that that might be why they just wanted the story to not be about him. Yeah, it's supposed to be about the shoe and about the mom. I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. It's a good movie. Brother Garrick also asks, uh my hate my favorite hairstyling product. Um it is Sebastian Whipped Cream, light conditioning style whip. I will link you. I will link you, Brother Garrick. Um I love it. I cannot recommend it enough. Just a tremendous, tremendous hair product. All right. Brother Jonathan asks what is one aspect or trend of our society that is infuriating to the point that you feel the need to rant about it to your brothers on the discord. Okay? Is there
0: anything that is uh, grinding your gears? Yeah, right there is now?
1: something that that there is something that always 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 grinds my gears and it's people that are anti-kids. It is people that are anti-children. I I get extremely tilted when I'm in public and I hear people complaining about like kids being loud or like, or like if you're on a plane and like, there's a baby crying, like a baby crying and you're complaining about like, Hey, that baby cannot control how it acts, but you, you, the adult can control how you act. It's a baby. I hate, I just, I can't stand people that are anti kids. I can't stand people that complain about kids. I I really like, I, you know, I don't think you should ever be able to be elected president or prime minister of a nation if you do not have kids. Francis, uh, Macron doesn't have kids. Merkel didn't have kids. I don't believe Theresa May had kids. Like You should never be able to be elected of a nation if you do not have kids because you have no stake in the future. Angela Merkel had zero kids. She was terrible as, as the leader of Germany. Macron, he married a woman... You know he married a school teacher. She can't have kids. Like he so he doesn't have any children. Theresa May. Like you should not she's be She's a it.
0: school teacher. I mean, that's kind of the same. It's not her fault she can't have kids. Well, she's just old.
1: Oh, okay. She's like 25 years older than him. Oh, okay. Um, that's like like that like she was his teacher.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I remember that story.
1: Nice. Actually really creepy. Francis that's Emmanuel Macron. I don't know what I was... Um,
0: but what about, what about, what if your baby cries on the airplane all the time? Can, can you not just, can you not just drive? Can you not just drive instead of fly? Not everywhere. You can't fly. Well, I mean, I know, I don't really go on the cross, you know, international flights or fly to Hawaii as much as you do or whatever, but like,
1: you know, just maybe drive. No, I... I
0: drive if your kid cries all the time. I
1: would suggest driving because it's much easier... Babies seem to like being driven. They, they, you know, like they they'll, they'll fall asleep. You know, the, the babies
0: don't what the air pressure changing in the cabin. I think as I, I don't get mad at the baby for crying. I get mad at the parent for not getting the baby to stop crying. That's you what should I get drop, mad about. You should drop, yeah,
1: for sure. You should drop.
0: For sure. I'm not mad at a little baby. I mean, sometimes a baby's vibe can be off, and you just don't really like a kid. And sometimes the kid is a real asshole. But I think it
1: always comes back to the parent. Baby Hitler had to be an asshole of a baby, right? He had to be. He
0: was probably neglected. He probably had shitty parents. It all comes back to the parents, in my opinion. Now there are some exceptions of just some, you know, straight up sociopaths that had no chance, but like you at least gotta raise them to learn how to fake it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Every once in a while, like you said, there's some people whose their wir- their wiring is just wrong. But a lot of it is just nurture. I just I, I dislike people that are anti-children so, so much. Well, I dislike people who are bad parents. I do too. parents. I do fearless too. Fearless parents. And also parents that
0: don't aren't aware of their surroundings. For the most part, I mean, yes, yeah, you're on, on a plane especially. There will be some real assholes on a plane who are going to be mad. But in public usually, I know how kids act. It's okay. But like at a certain point, you got to be like, hey, kids, stop acting like this. We're going to go sit in the car for a little bit and talk about it. we got to calm you down. You oh no! Running now, around now, the restaurant, jumping on things—we got to kind of get you under control. For
1: sure, like a kid should be well behaved. I just meant like there are some people that are really just anti-natalists, you know, like they. Sure, sure. You know, those yeah. are the people that I'm talking about. Are these? You'll see some people that you know, they'll just act like having kids is like the craziest thing. It's like the people that like you know, but they will refer to their dogs as their kids and stuff, and it's like you should be in jail. You should be in prison. That that is what should happen. You should not be able to call your dog, your, your son. You should be able to. Do it.
0: It's harder to raise a dog, honestly. I can get I can get people to watch babies. I can I can pay people to watch babies. Yeah, like at my, least my the baby family members.
1: The mom just has to whip it out, and the baby will be happy.
0: Yeah. Once a, once a, once the baby gets a certain age, they can reason and understand English. The dog never understands. He doesn't know why I'm leaving. He doesn't know where he's at. So I'd say it's a little bit tougher to raise a dog, honestly. Kid will actually be excited like when he gets like five or six. Like, hey, you're going to stay at grandma's house for a week. Great. Dog will be like, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? I can't eat now. I can't use the bathroom. I'm constipated. I'm depressed because my owner left me. You know, just something to think about, Seth. I'm sure you loved weekends at Grandparents.
1: Brother Jameson asks, would you rather be in jail for five years or a coma for ten years?
0: So jail, not prison. For some reason, I just think of the raping being much worse in prison.
1: Oh, prison would be way worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Think of the raping and the fighting and people being way worse in prison. A coma for ten years means you have given ten years of your life away and you have no idea of what's happened. So I I'm doing jail for sure just cuz 5 years. What about if it was 5 years of coma versus 10 years in jail?
1: My main my main question about the coma is that if you're in a coma for 5 years when you wake back up is everything really going to work right? Like cuz I have a hard time believing that your body can be shut down. Basically, you're on, you know, life support for 5 years and when you wake back up like dude, you're going to be a shell. You're going to be a shell. Like yeah, you'll have your have brain have any new, but think yeah.
0: You're not going to have any muscle. Sometimes you come out speaking a different language. I'm sure you've seen those instances before, right? Yeah. Where people come out of comas speaking like fluent Japanese or fluent German with an accent and all that. Like, I would rather be cognitive. Jail would suck, but at least you're somewhat aware of the world. And you've probably taken pretty good care of your body. You've been doing some push-ups and such. What if it was reversed and it was ten years in, 10 years in jail, 5 years in a coma? Because I still think I'm doing jail. Yeah, I think the five years in the coma would be terrible, too. I'm, I'm doing jail. Get a couple conjugal visits. Some people come to see you. They write you. They bake you cakes. You make some friends. Maybe join a gang. An unproblematic one, though. like Not like the white supremacist or anything. Although, they'd probably be recruiting me pretty heavily. Because the hair, you know. The Peckerwoods. Yeah. yeah. Although, you, they'd probably be recruiting you, too. You kind of got to... Edward Norton in American history X Bob, before he shaved his head to <laughs> we'll see them coming after you too.
1: Yeah. I'm going jail over a five-year coma still.
0: Yeah. agree.
1: Any other questions? Uh, I, I do need to, I would be remiss if I did not bring this up when you, when you're wrong, you're wrong, brother. Uh, Brother Jacob asked me about James Harden. Okay, I was going to make sure he got asked. I was going to ask. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a man. You got to face up to your mistakes. When you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, It's shameful. It's The game six, fourth quarter was absolutely... I mean, I, you talk about getting cupped. Like, there's getting cupped, okay? And there was getting totally emasculated. Like, your wife is making you sit in the corner and watch... Her get railed out. That's what happened to James Harden and Joel.
0: Big game James, as you've been calling It's big him game disclaim.
1: James. That's what happened. It's sad. It's sad. It makes me sad. I did not get to watch Game Seven. You didn't miss anything from. Doesn't sound Harden. like I missed anything. Um, I thought. I think that it's pretty shameful that Doc is out there like talking about the referees before. Like, dude, you didn't lose that game because of game. You didn't lose Game Seven because the refs.
0: Well he was complaining about game six. Yeah, see yeah. I was, okay, yeah, he, yeah.
1: Uh, he started before game seven, he's complaining ta- he's complained about the refs in game six. And it's just but like the refs
0: did fuck him in game six. Anyone with eyes could see it. The refs
1: were terrible. They were terrible in game six, but that's not why they lost. They lost because they got cucked. They got emasculated on national TV with two MVPs in their starting five.
0: Their problem is they got three of the biggest losers in NBA history all on the same team. Joel Embiid's a loser, James Harden's a loser, Doc Rivers a loser. You can't have three losers and win. It's just kind of the way it goes.
1: Like, how did Doc ever even win a championship? I guess he just had Kevin Garnett. He had, to,
0: and... he, he had Tom Thibodeau as his lead assistant. Running oh, the he defense. was? Okay, I didn't know that. Dude. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau ran the defense, which is what made them so great. And then, yeah, he had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, the first super team.
1: Yeah.
0: Or at least of that era, the first super team of that era.
1: Man, that just feels like forever ago, doesn't it?
0: It honestly feels way longer than fifteen years ago to me. Honestly, because I mean, it's two thousand eight. It seems way longer than that, actually.
1: I thought he had been head coach of the Sixers for a lot longer than this, this was his third year. I thought he'd been there a lot longer than that. Yeah, he just
0: left the Clippers in twenty nineteen. I guess he got uh, yeah he got fired after that meltdown.
1: I don't even remember that.
0: Yeah, he just never could go over the hump because he was stuck with the biggest. He was stuck with Chris Paul. You know so ah, who else okay. gets who else gets credit for being a loser? Although I guess Chris Paul would have been in Houston by then. I guess Doc was just ready to go.
1: Yeah, you can't really say anything about, like, Chris Paul in the Game 7 when he was with Houston now because, like, James Harden, you have Game 6 at home, bro. You have Game 6 at home, and Jason Tatum does nothing for three quarters. He does absolutely nothing for three quarters. And then you let him hit two threes, and it's just like, okay, it's over.
0: They scored three points. They scored three points over the last six minutes of Game game 6. And what? Joel
1: Embiid went how long without touching the ball or
0: whatever? Hey, he's a loser too. He wasn't going to do anything with it. He didn't want. He didn't want the ball. He cried after the game. I didn't touch the ball. You're seven foot. You're the MVP. Get your big ass there in the high post, post up, call for the ball. And if they don't throw the ball to you, you start stomping around like a child screaming to give you the fucking ball. That's what you do. He didn't do that once. So I don't want to hear Joel Embiid yeah. either. He's, le- do he's literally it? unstoppable. Like, just, I wouldn't even say he's literally little unstoppable because like, all you got to do is just stay in front of him and he'll probably shoot his fadeaway away and miss it or he'll do a little spin and lose the ball and fall down and sit there and hold his knee forever. No, he's not unstoppable. Nikola Jokic, that's somebody that's unstoppable. He's amazing. He's amazing. Well, he did let Rui Hachimura slow him down a little bit last night, I guess, but either way.
1: I do like Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, James Harden's going to leave Houston now, or he's going to leave Philadelphia now. He's probably – he's floated out that he wants to go to Phoenix – to play of Durant and Booker. He wants to so go maybe, back with Durant. That's yeah, yeah. He didn't want to break up with Durant. He wanted to break up with Kyrie. Is what he said. Said he hated Kyrie. So maybe he goes to Phoenix, and then maybe they send Chris Paul back to to Philadelphia. And I, I don't know. I don't know. But big big game James is a is a fraud. Where's Kyrie gonna go? Who knows? Who knows? So
1: Kyrie needs to stick around. He makes NBA fun.
0: Well, he's not gonna retire. I don't think, but. Good. I guess he. I guess he could. What, you never really know. surprise me. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that's all I've got. I, it's. I mean, like, cause the Celtics are good. I mean, the Heat are so boring, man.
0: Yeah, you got to give them credit just for being a machine, though. I
1: do. Like, I love Spolstra I suppose
0: he was the best coach in the NBA. How do you not like Jimmy Butler? Like, how
1: do you not like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs? Like, he's just, you know, when he he gets going in the playoffs, it's just so fun to watch. But, like, man, they're just like, that Knicks Heat series was atrocious, I thought.
0: Well, you know who needed somebody like Jimmy Butler? (laughs) The 76ers. The 76ers, who had him. Who had him, yeah. And traded him because they wanted to keep Tobias Harris. (sighs) brutal. Who, by the way,. Everybody's been begging for Tobias Harris to play well and he he led the team in scoring in game 7. He's like shit, what do you want me to do? I did all I could. I Man, led the team in scoring. 19. I love you brother. Have a I good uh, week. I'll talk to you soon. Yes sir. Bye bye. See ya.